Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Covey blue blood flowing through our veins Sitting in the bleachers in the rain We've shed a million tears and drank as many old-style beers out at the game Let's go, Covey Sunrento Michael Cotton Sunrento Michael Cotton Sunrento and the lovable Lucy Boutros Golly Michael Sunrento The Sunranto Show is brought to you by the good people at MyBookie. You know, people always ask me uh, who to bet on, and I don't know who you should bet on and uh, what you should try to wager your hard-earned money on, but I do know where you should bet, and that's MyBookie. They've got live in-game betting, endless props, fantasy sports wagers. There's something for everyone with the best player perks in the sportsbook business. They've been good to us. They're going to be good to you. They're hooking up our listeners all month. Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code RANTO, R-A-N-T-O, when creating your your account account to claim your 50% bonus. If you're laying down 100 bucks, you got an extra 50 bucks in play right there. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G, promo code RANTO. You play, you win, you get paid. And if you never want to listen to an ad again, won't you become a Patreon subscriber? Patreon.com slash Sunranto for early and ad-free listening. Do it today. You get your own RSS feed, and you get the show much earlier than everybody else. Um, here's the show. Sundanto! Hey, it's Danny Rocket here. I'm by myself. Uh, we had every intention of recording a podcast today uh, with Michael Cotton before he left to go downtown to his hotel. He's staying on the south side because he's flying out of midnight, to, uh, uh, midway. So he's staying down there. And uh, we just didn't find the time to do it today, mostly because I am still wrecked, completely wrecked from having such fun, too much fun, on John Baker Day 2019. So I just wanted to get on the mic and I'll I'll tell I'll say a little bit about you know Cubs baseball and what's going on uh, you know just by myself but it's really not interesting without having a discussion about it but I did want to get on and just thank everybody who participated in John Baker Day this year um, and that includes everybody who bought a hat or shirt or donated or attended uh, or is like currently bidding on an auction item that that stuff's actually still up till Wednesday. There's Matt Cameron autographs. There's another autograph that just got added donated by Rick Carlson, who actually went down to South Bend and got Ben Zobris to autograph one of his, um, his little art piece prints of Ben Zobris. So uh, that's really cool. It's actually not that little. It's 11 by 18. So uh, thanks to them. And uh, make sure you bid on that stuff if you're interested. 23, no, 32 auctions 
com slash John Baker Day 2019. It's all there. I've been posting on it about it on social media, but there's lots of great stuff. A Rizzo signed bat, Contreras ball. There's the artwork that I was just talking about. There's a David Bodie um, jersey. And also uh, two passes to Club 400, and that's only going for 125 now, and that's worth 500 bucks. And what it comes with is like, let's say, like Wilson Contreras comes to club 400 you get a picture with him and like a signed baseball or something too so anyway check out that auction uh it's a great deal uh everything's going for i think too little for what it is so go over there and uh either get yourself a bargain or um and uh, help out uh, our final numbers at uh, for john baker day i'll have those soon obviously the uh the uh, auction is still going, and that's a huge part of what we're doing. But things are looking good. I think we at least matched last year. And so thank you to everybody. Um, the the Bleacher Bum Band, they rocked out. Um, I'm part of the Bleacher Bum Band, but that, I, but still, I, I without those people behind me, I'm really nothing. Um, Ivy Envy, of course, who helped throw the entire event and has for the last four years. Uh, Club 400. Uh, who uh, came and participated in the Family Feud. They had their own family. And, of course, Cubs Insider and the blogger panel, Luis Medina, Michael Cerami, Corey Friedman, Alex Pat, Sarah Sanchez, and uh, also Bleed Cubby Blue for helping out. I mean, and uh, especially Amanda Pyron, who came out from Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network and talked to us a little bit about what they do. Um, I think we did a really great thing here, guys. And it's not lost on me. That, you know, this money is just not falling from the sky because I work hard to throw an event. It's coming from you, and I get that. So thank you so much for your generosity and for just participating because it really does take all of us working together to make um, to make good things happen. And that's what I feel happened on this Saturday. And um, finally, of course, I want to thank John. Man, that guy's so awesome. Um, after a long day, I mean, we started at, like, I mean, I was there before noon and then I did not leave G-Man Tavern until about midnight because we were partying with John like way too late. So he was really excited. We all had a great time. Uh, we, uh, his um, wife said that I ruined him. And I was like, oh, you don't even know. I didn't even get out of bed on Sunday. And I didn't. It was really hard to get out of bed. I got up and ate a f- little food, but that's all I had left in the tank. Um, yeah, too old to rock and roll, too young to die. That's where I'm at. But um, I'm still feeling it today. And um, anyway, th- we did that bloggers forum. Uh, so I'm going to mostly, I'm going to add that to this show, and you can just hear that. Um, we did that at John Baker Day, and I just mentioned all the people that were on it. But um, I'm going to add that. I wish uh, we had recordings of afterwards, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Mike Borzello showed up from um, you know the Cubs. He's the Cubs uh, you know, bullpen coach, and um, that guy was really awesome. He brought his girlfriend, and... We were all just, I mean, it was so great. If you, if you ever get a chance to go to any Cubs event, uh, it's John Baker Day. That is the greatest time you will have. It's totally laid back. It's really fun. Um, and anyway, uh, we're celebrating backup catchers, which now we really need. Because just a brief thing about the Cubs. Ju- the news just broke that uh, Wilson's going to be out for four weeks. So that sucks ass. And, um, but at least... The Cubs have a pretty decent hitting and pitch framing backup catcher in Mr. Victor Caratini. Uh, I, you know, obviously the backup takes a hit a bit. Um, I don't think that Taylor Davis is a bad defensive catcher. I think he's pretty good. But um, 
he his bat, you know. It's just it's not going to be there. So um, that's just really disappointing. At least it's only four weeks. Uh, I hope uh, – John Baker told us about some guy – who's like a Cubs trainer and he's like this little like Swedish dude and he yells at everybody and and tells people they're doing everything wrong all the time. And uh, apparently he is who got uh, Lester back faster So uh, than they had expected. So look for maybe Wilson to be a little bit faster than that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but they are saying four weeks, so that's pretty bad. Um, and it's really tough to have a catcher with a hamstring problem. Um, and he's got to build back his strength, obviously, after that. It's a really huge uh, bat out of the lineup. But, hey, thank God that Theo made some of those moves that he did make right at the trade deadline to big up Castellanos. I mean, Tony Kemp. You know, I don't think Tony Kemp's going to hit the cover off the ball, but at least he's another bat in there, and he's not like – he's somebody you can play, unlike um, maybe Daniel Descalzo is still <clears throat> injured. So look for Taylor Davis. Look for a lot of Victor Caratini. Um, other bits of news that broke is that when Cole Hamels came back, that Brad Brock got Dunzo. So there's I mean, that's a lot of money they wasted there. Four point three five million, and he ends up with a six point one three ERA through forty two games. And they had to go out and get other guys to to you know take a spot you know because Brad just never really came through uh david phelps is here Derek holland looks pretty good D- david phelps did not well it was a small sample size but yeah it didn't go all that well but Derek holland when used properly against left-handed hitters like the brewers are stacked with that went really well so um i i like how it's looking right now i, I mean they totally turned over the bullpen um there's still word that tomorrow might come back strope will probably be back and um, anyway, and then you look at Rowan Wick, who was also not really on this team, uh, you know, Iowa shuttle guy, and uh, he's back. So he's, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I should say he's staying. He was the guy to stay, even with options. So I think that's a good sign, you know, uh, that the Cubs are willing to part with the money because it's already a sunk cost anyway. So they already spent that money. Why let him pitch, though? And why let him steal a roster spot? You're already in for the money. Let Rowan Wick stay up. And um, he's he's just been, you know, they said at the beginning of the year that it's all going to be about performance. Well, if it's about performance, then Rowan Wick has got to stay up. And that's what happened. Um, he's been great. He's uh, in tw- his 12 games this year. 13 innings pitched. Uh, he's got a 208 earned run average, a 1.23 whip. Uh, hitters are batting 200 against him. He has 15 strikeouts in those 13 innings. It would have been a total tragi- tragedy. Well, not a tragedy, but, you know, a travesty. <laughs> Is that better? I don't know. Tragedies, uh, I mean, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it, it would have sucked if they would have uh, kept Brad Brock and just sent Rowan Wick down because they could. Because they need to win baseball games, especially on the road. Luckily, they're at home. Home cooking really happening. Um, Michael wrote down his uh, rakes, flakes, throws, and blows and then had to go. <laughs> so I'm just going to say him. Uh, I don't have all that shit hooked up, I don't think. No, I don't. Um uh, Jason Hayward, obviously the raker this weekend. He has a, a 10.50 OPS this week with two homers. 
leadoff home runs. It's you know not since Alfonso Soriano. I mean, and you know he's just killing it up there. Like it makes me pissed off that it hasn't been that he hasn't been the leadoff hitter this entire time. Um, Javi. He's been great as well. Albert Almora dropped the fucking lotion in the basket uh, on John Baker Day. And, um, you know, I, I think that's good. You know, Albert Almora getting way less playing time uh, because of the addition of Castellanos. But, um, you know, now they can use Albert where he's going to be good and not just throw him out there all the time. He just doesn't deserve to play every day given by how it's going. Um, your flaker, eh, man, it's KB. And uh, Michael, is a. he wrote here, he's a little concerned about that nagging knee thing because uh, he hasn't been playing like he was before. Um, Wilson Contreras obviously had the worst week. Uh, he hadn't been particularly hitting well because he had just got back from the foot injury, and then he pulled a hammy. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, o- uh, OPS of 300 on the week for KB. That ain't getting it done. Uh, thrower. Let's see, who does he have here? Amazingly, we could talk about everybody in the starting lineup in this section. Oh, yeah, I, I remember him talking to me about this at breakfast. They are currently on a six-game no-walk streak, streak. The Cubs are. And that is the best since 1905. And it's the most strikeouts with no walks since 2002. So uh, here's your thrower. Uh, Hendricks held the Cardinals for seven scoreless, uh, but it could have been you Darvish struggling with illness on a hot day still to get eight strikeouts and 17 strikeouts in his last two starts. But uh, Michael actually go- is going with Cole Hamels on a triumphant return to the mound, six strikeouts, five scoreless innings, and uh, hopefully he will continue to be that Cole Hamels that we saw before the injury. But uh, out of the bullpen, you got to give some uh, love to Ryan Wick as well. Three innings this week. And uh, Rowan, Rowan Wick, sorry. He wrote Ryan. What a dummy. Uh, Rowan Wick, I was like, does he mean, uh, like, is he putting together uh, Rowan Wick and Kyle Ryan? Kyle Ryan ain't been so bad either. But, yeah, Rowan, Rowan Wick is great. Um, no runs this week uh, in his three innings, and uh, he's just kind of a stud. The blows is bad Brock. He got the DFA, and now his time with the Cubs is done. Uh, I don't know. He had good stuff. It, it was uh, We actually were talking to John Baker about this at the bar afterwards, and, you know, they were marveling at some of the pitches that got nailed off of Brad Brock like he couldn't figure it out. He just had the worst luck in the world. Uh, he never got on a roll. He um, pitched 39.2 innings, gave up 28 walks. That's way too many. 27 earned runs. That's obviously too many. Three homers. That's not the worst. But at the same time, it was just, uh, I mean, they were hitting pretty good pitches hard against Brad Bad Brock. And uh, just lucky for his uh, country singer girlfriend that she sang the national anthem early on in this season. Because it ain't going to happen now. Um, Just real quick about the Brewers so we don't have to revisit. Uh, Swept. Totally swept. Uh, To me, Milwaukee looked like total garbage in this series. Total garbage. Cubs outscored them. uh, Let's see, 6, 10, 17 to 5 in this series. 
Uh, Milwaukee had three errors in Game One. I, we already mentioned the I, I already mentioned the Hayward home runs and the Baez homer, and even and even Quintana had a opposite uh, field RBI single that scored a run in that six to two win. I mean, Hamill's back. That's a reason to celebrate Game Two on John Baker Day. Um, you know, Javi scoring on wild pitches that Anthony Rizzo cannot score off of. Uh, we saw that in this this game. Um, you know, I like they scored runs in different ways. There were the homers, but at the same time, they kept the line moving quite a bit. So that was uh, that was pretty cool to see. Um, they scored a lot of runs, and it, it's not lost on me that they're not playing on the road right now. Um, I really love how this lineup works, except for, um, you know, obviously Wilson Contreras not being in it. But, you know, that Hayward Castellanos one-two punch at the top of the lineup has seemed to be paying dividends so far. And so that's really nice to see up there. We haven't had that since uh, Bob Dernier and (laughs) – no, I'm just kidding. Um, We haven't had that for a while. So um, probably we haven't had a good leadoff hitter since Dexter Fowler, and I'm not sure that Hayward's going to continue what he's doing here, but he's been on base um, a lot out there. He's been on base all year. It's pretty amazing. Um, So I'm I'm just kind of loving Castellanos. I don't know if he's always going to be the second hitter either, but boy, does that stretch that lineup out considerably when you have that going on. Um, Everybody's contributing. Tony Kemp even contributed, um, even though he's got a low batting average. Um, but he put that ball in play, got himself a sack fly. Um, I just like how it looks. You know, even Bodie, you know, he's he was struggling so mightily, and he came back out and started hitting. Like, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm really excited we swept that series. That's awesome and everything. But, I mean, it's like a tale of two teams. How shitty they look on the road. And then how good – well, and I won't say that. Like, they could have won a lot of those games in Milwaukee last week and stuff. And, you know, all those were low-scoring games, but they just were not hitting on the road. And they come home and hit, and you're like, well, where the hell is this team the rest of the time? Where You know, where do they go? I don't understand. It's been like this all year. It's It's happened so much that it's more than fluky, and nobody has an answer as to why it's going on this way. So uh, yeah, Schwarber homered. I don't know. It's it's everything's great. Keep they kept taking on runs. It, it, this if the Cubs could play like they do at home, even ninety percent as well as they do at home, eighty percent, uh, that would be great. Because then, because uh, unfortunately, if you do make the playoffs, you have to play um, most likely right now. If the season were to end today, you're on the road pretty much the whole time, unless you end up facing the wild card team. In the uh, in the NLCS, so that's your only hope. So now we face the A's. Uh, they're better than the Cubs. They're sixty four and forty eight. Uh, Cubs are only sixty and fifty one. Uh, they do, however, with that great record, still remain eight point five behind the Astros, and they do, and they have a winning record, unlike the Cubs do on the road, twenty seven and twenty five. They just took two games from the Cardinals in Oakland, and then had to come. In uh, last night to uh, face the Cubs tonight at Wrigley Field. Uh, And they also just took two or three from the Brewers. So this is their third series in a row against the NL Central. Uh, Of course, uh, some familiar names on this team a little bit, especially Steven Piscotty, who uh, hilariously gotten beaned as he went around the base paths a few years back. 
uh, during a game against the Cubs. Well, he was a Cardinal. That was a lot of fun. But, you know, I don't know much about the A's. You know, they got Marcus Semien. He's their shortstop, um, 17 dingers, 830 OPS. He was on the White Sox. I mean, that's kind of how I know that guy. They have a couple pitchers you've heard of. Uh, don't mean to laugh, but uh, Brett Anderson is facing us uh, tomorrow. And uh, Homer Bailey is on this team. <laughs> so that's a good. That's it's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know much about the Reds. You know, I. It's kind of interesting to play a team like this. We we never see them, uh, and and um, I mean the AL West. I mean, it couldn't be really further out of my uh, field of knowledge as anything. But they have a good a good team uh, with some dudes that I really haven't heard too much about. Um, look, I'm trying to get their stats up here now, but unfortunately, my internet is so slow. Um, you know, Matt Chapman, you obviously know about him. He's uh, got 24 dingers on the the year. Matt Olson. Is anybody named Matt you pretty much don't want up there? He's got 22 home runs. And their center field, though, Lorino, he's he's up over 20 home runs, too, 21. So um, Ramon Loriano. Reminds me of Soriano. And, of course, they've got Chris Davis, the the good one, <laughs> not the shit one. Uh, Canha, never even heard of Canha. Uh, 17 home runs. Uh, Semyon with 17. Profar's got 15. Fagley has 10. Pinder got 10. So they got like a lot of dudes at double digits. So, you know, if the wind's blowing out at Wrigley, this could be, uh, they could come out of their shoes a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, they're, uh, I'm not going to give you all the offense, pitching, and defense. Just going to tell you some guys that are on their team. And they're, they're a good offensive team, you know. Uh, they're in second place. They'll probably be a wild card team. And um, I don't have a scavenger hunt. The weather looks good, but I will give you the matchups. Um, Chris Bassett is uh, he's 7 and 5 with a 384 ERA. He's going up against Kyle Hendricks 8 and 8 with a 307. Since the All-Star break, Bassett's been really good with a 235 over his last four starts and opponents only hit 202 against him. So, uh he went 6 innings of shutout ball versus the Brewers in his last start and um only Castellanos has really seen him more than once and he is hitting 364 um from all his years in the American League. Hendricks has been great. He put up seven innings of shutout ball in his last start against the Cardinals, a little better than Bassett, uh, in that same time uh, has put up a 235 ERA, the same as Bassett. Um, and uh, oh, well, so Bassett has a 235. Kyle is a 144. Uh, Chris Davis hits him well, 294 average and 17 at-bats. Piscotti has a 264 average with one home run. Uh, but nobody else has really seen him, seen him except Marcus Semien. And um, we only mentioned his name because it kind of sounds like semen. Uh, the human wheelchair, he's back. Brett Anderson, 9-7 and seven with a 404. He's going up against John Lester. 9-7 and seven with a 386. Uh, yeah, you remember Brett Anderson. 2017 Cubs team had an 818 earned run average before going on the DL and never returning to Chicago. Yeah, that guy. Uh, nobody on the Cubs has seen him all that much. Uh, Castellanos has the most at-bats, and that's only six. And uh, nobody has ever homered off the w- human wheelchair. 
Uh, John Lester was not great in his uh, in, when he went back to St. Louis and pitched. Uh, gave up five runs in five innings, but it didn't really matter because the Cubs didn't score hit in that game. And uh, in the game before, though, he went seven scoreless against the Brewers. Uh, Seaman, Chris Davis, and uh, Kid Spaghetti, Piscotti, all have seen him. And um, so I don't, they say, uh, Michael wrote this. He said, and Kid Spaghetti have all seen him in the double digits. Oh, that means like over 10. Davis has the best average at 273, but Piscotti is the only home run. Homer Bailey. Nine and seven in game three, uh, five twenty earned run average against Quintana. Nine and seven with a four forty, and um, yeah, Homer Bailey, pretty bad name for a pitcher, uh, almost as bad as uh, Grant Balfour or Steve Balfour, whatever the hell his name is. Homer Bailey is now with the A's instead of the Reds, where the Cubs have obviously seen him the most for the the past few years. He pitches well at Wrigley, though. He's got a 5-3 and three record with a 379 earned run average over his last 10 starts um, at Wrigley. Rizzo, though, is hitting 471 off Homer Bailey with two Homer Baileys. Hayward and Bodie have also homered against Homer. Q, he looked good last time out against the Brewers. Six innings, two runs. The start before that was the Schwarber game in Milwaukee, which Q only lasted 4.2 innings. Uh, despite having to take him out after that big lead uh, because uh, he just looked a little shaky in that one. The Cubs have been winning when Q starts, at least for the last six times that he's been out there. Seaman, though, is batting 625 off a of Q, probably because he played with him for years and knows what's coming. And uh, only Chris Davis has a home run against him. Also gave Cubs Shadamas the day off, but I do have a TFC for you. Um, this one. Uh, well, I got a couple, actually. This first one is like, did you? I don't know if y'all saw this, but um, the Marlins tweeted at the Rays. Uh, I'll just, I'll just uh, uh, re- read what they wrote. Uh, the, the Rays that beat the Marlins and the, the Rays tweeted, show the final out. And the Marlins says, can't hear you. Must be the maple leaves crunching. And then Tampa Bay, because they was making fun of the fact that they're going to move the... Uh, team half of the time to Montreal Tampa Bay Rays says here's the broom we just used on you so you can clean them up those maple leaves in Canada and the Marlins said you're literally the animal that killed Steve Irwin log off wow they apologized later um I think I have another one but I have all these pictures from John Baker day and everybody hanging out but I think I had another one. No, maybe I don't. No, I do not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, nope, I don't. I have nothing. So, uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I know this is a short show. We'll be back probably Wednesday night uh, with another show uh, because... Um, Michael's traveling that day, and uh, I just left Lyle alone for this one because we were planning on something. But uh, thanks for everything. I'm going to, I'm gonna, uh, as far as John Baker Day goes, it's, uh, it really is all you guys. I know I work hard at it, and people have already thanked me for it, but like, it is nothing unless people respond to an idea that I had. So I love you guys. Thank you so much for all your hard work and for supporting John Baker Day. Um, 
I'm going to now play the uh, podcast panel, the podcaster panel featuring Corey Friedman, Sarah Sanchez, Luis Medina, Michael Sarami, Alex Pat, and hosted by IVNV hosts uh, Corey Finneran and Andrew Rounds. They did an awesome job. Everything went great. Um, and I know if you listen to IVNV, he, he already, Corey already released this yesterday. But uh, for those of you guys that listen to us and not them, um, I will play it for you now. Um, thanks and spagog. I'm taking a look at the line here at mybookie.ag uh, out in their sports book. And, uh, of course, you got uh, Bassett going up against Hendricks. And uh, Cubs are favored in this game, baby. Uh, minus 170. So, uh, you know, Chris Bassett has been really good lately. Hendricks has been slightly, no, I'd say a whole run better. That's more than slightly. So, but Bassett has been really good. Um, The Cubs might be confused by the A's green uniforms because they don't normally see baseball teams wearing green. So, I hate to say bet against the Cubs, but if I was at mybookie.ag right now with the A's at plus 140... I might just take that and say, Kyle, you'll probably do well, but it won't be good enough. So go to mybookie.ag, use promo code RANTO, R-A-N-T-O. You get a 50% bonus when you sign up. And uh, that's pretty much it. Go gamble your lives away, people, at mybookie.ag. And if you never want to hear an ad like this one again, won't you just become a Patreon subscriber? at patreon.com slash sunranto. You get the show early and completely free of advertising like this one. That's patreon.com slash sunranto. It only costs a dollar. Please sign up today. Thank you. Now back to the show, which is actually a show from Saturday with everybody but the Sunranto show, but it all took place at John Baker Day 2019. Thanks for listening and... Go Cubs. Hi, and thanks for downloading this episode of Fill in the Blank podcast. Yeah, all of them. It'll be on IVMV, Sunranto, Cubs Related, everybody. Um, uh, it's, it's, um, this episode is being recorded at John Baker Day 2019. At, all right. We are at G-Man Tavern in Wrigleyville, um, and we're recording this uh, during the Saturday, August 3rd, Cubs-Brewers game, um, which is taking place about two blocks from where we are right now. I'd like to thank the audience, the live audience, for being here hanging out with us during the game. So what you're going to hear on this episode is a panel discussion on the latest Cubs news and relevant topics. Um, And we will get to the panel here in a second. I'm one of the moderators of this panel. That's why I'm calling myself a moderator. I don't know. Uh, my name is Corey, and uh, the other moderator, one of my co-hosts from uh, the IVMB podcast. I'm not a moder- moderator. I'm an arbiter. <laughs> I'm Andy. Hi. Um, so Andy and I thought that it would be more fun to just toss questions to uh, the panel rather than trying to put together our own coherent thoughts. So uh, thank you all in advance for providing us with coherent thoughts today. Uh, so let's introduce the panel. We'll start right here with another Corey. Hi, I'm Corey Friedman. You can say you like. I'm from CubsInsider.com, Cubs-related podcast. I'm uh, Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation. I am Alex Pat from Fansided. 
you need your mic. I'm Sarah Sanchez from Cup of Cubby Blue, the Bleed Cubby Blue podcast. <laughs> and I'm Luis Medina from Bleacher Nation and Outside the Ivy. <laughs> all right, so uh, all of you, just take these these discussions wherever you want. Uh, nothing is off limits. If you want, if side conversations. I hope you don't right. regret that. <laughs> <laughs> it's still early. I think we're safe. Um, so let's start with Wednesday's uh, trade deadline, uh, Corey. I'll start with you. Uh, what is your level of satisfaction with what the front office has done uh, up to this point? Well, I guess this is all they can do to, to, to make sure that this is a team that can make a deep playoff run. I was pretty satisfied, I think, given what we heard from Theo as it related to the budget constraints and looking around at other guys that moved. I think I would have taken another reliever. Uh, but you look at someone like Will Smith who didn't move. You had a lot of teams that decided they weren't going to sell. And I, I love Castellanos. I think he just grounded into a double play as I said that. Uh, Way to go. Good, perfect timing. But I, I, he, he's ripping the ball. I like the way he's not as, as bad of a defender as I was expecting him to be. So I, I think that they improved the team. I think the depth of the offense is better than it was before the trade deadline. And I think that working with the constraints that they had, I, I think they improved the team. And I think that's really all we can ask. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I I, uh, I think that they definitely did a lot of good for the team, so long as Joe Madden decides to use the pieces he got correctly, uh, which is not a guarantee. Uh, you know, they got a lefty for the pen, Derek Holland. They got a righty for the pen in David Phelps. They got a closer in Craig Kimbrell a month earlier, and they got a guy who could crush lefties, and they got a bench bat. So in so many different categorical ways, they improved the roster. But when I see, you know... Uh, Holland coming against a righty, even as a switch hitter, it's like, that was the one thing we said he can't do. And that's the first time we saw him, and he hit it, it was a three-run home run. So it's like, as long as Joe Madden uses the pieces he got uh, the correctly, I think it'll, it'll ultimately pay off, but I'm not convinced that he's going to. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this trade deadline is we've got to remember there was not a lot of assets in the farm system to trade. If you wanted to pull something off big, you were going to need to come off the major league roster, whether it's Happ or Schwarber, Almora, and you got to dig into the farm system. Albert Alzali, they're keeping him. They didn't want to give him up. Uh, they really like Nico Horner, and I really like Nico Horner. So with what you had, with what you had to work with, with what was available, with what the market was, I think they did the best they could. I mean, the thing you got to also remember is they were very active at the deadline compared to the Brewers and the Cardinals. I mean, they barely did anything. When the Giants were rumored to have a big trade with the Brewers and it ended up being Drew Pomeranz instead of Madison Bumgarner or Will Smith, you got to figure, wow, the Cubs did a lot to add while the Brewers and the Cardinals pretty much stood pat. So I, I can't be mad at Theo for the moves he made considering what he had. I mean, let's face it, Whit Merrifield was never going to happen. Will Smith was kind of a long shot with the assets uh, that they had and what the Giants probably wanted. Uh, so, yeah, I say thumbs up. At, and at this point, the players just have to do their job. they they got to play. they got to uh, execute. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is, Theo has been saying this for a long time, right? Like, this is the team, and they need to perform, and this is their time to shine. He tinkered at the margins. He added a lefty bat. He added a bench piece. He added a couple of middling relievers. What he really wants, and what's going to be by far the biggest impact on this team, is for Brandon Morrow to come back healthy, for Ben Zobris to come back and make an impact, and for the core that he put together to act like the team that played in 2016 which they've not done on a consistent basis for a while now. So he, like, fixed the edges, and now it's time for the team to do their business. Yeah, I mean, I like what they did. I love Nick Castellanos as a bat. Um, the relievers uh, are relievers. I, I don't have any attachment to them other than that I hope that the Cubs catch lightning in a bottle. I would have loved for them to make a big splash deal. Like, I didn't even think Zach Granke was attainable, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, the Astros have Zach Granke. Would have been awesome to add someone like that. Heck, his back could have played, you know, better than some of the guys that the Cubs have right now. But, like, overall, it's good. It's good enough. I mean, we'll find out hopefully in October. So, so we've kind of heard a mix of the players need to play and, and, and do their thing. And then also um, – Michael, you brought up Madden's managerial decision. So is Joe Madden the manager of the Cubs in 2020? I don't, I don't think so. I think that uh, despite probably having earned it, uh, if we're very black and white and honest about it, he has been the best manager in Cubs history. He, he has. It's not really a question anymore. He, constant, he consistently delivers 90-plus win teams. He is able to... Uh, win more in the second half because of a lot of the things that a lot of fans don't like about his managerial style, which is rotating guys in and out, different lineups every single day. And as far as the bullpen management goes, I hate it all the time, and I also would probably hate every single manager in baseball's bullpen management all the time. It's like pretty much impossible to get that right. It's not, it's not easy. I, I don't like when he comes out and says things like, well, you guys just don't understand. It's like, yeah, we do. We, we understand. But at the same time, it's, not, it's never going to be an easy job, and I think he has done more than enough to earn another year, and I don't think he's going to get it. I feel like Joe should probably get the type of extension that would uh, line him up with Theo and Jed and, and really everyone who's worth a darn on this, you know, on this team. Everyone's lined up through, like, 2021, right? So, like, yeah, Joe should get that. I, I think Joe should get a chance to see, you know, the, the end of what he started but I just don't see it happening. I just This reminds me of when, like, Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause were beefing with the Bulls in the late 90s. Like, Jerry would put together a team, and Phil would be like, well, I don't want to play this player, so, like, Pippen with a bad back is going to play 40 minutes tonight. And, like, poor Scott Burrell is sitting on the bench like, hey, I can play, like, three minutes, and please let me play. But no, that's not going to happen. Problem with this whole, like, is Joe going to stick around thing, is that there's literally nobody else out there who's better to take that job. So it's one of those be careful what you wish for things. Because I totally agree with the, what, what Michael was saying. Like, it doesn't seem like Joe's going to be the guy. But if you get rid of Joe, where are you going? Is Joe Girardi the guy? He can't be. Like, Girardi is, was literally let go from the Yankees for being too old school and stringent. And if you bring that in after a Madden regime, that's going to be a disaster. Like, is Loretta the guy? Loretta is not the guy. Loretta is being trained to go back to the Padres and do his thing. So, like, you have to figure out who the person that you think is going to replace Joe Madden is before you say you can't have a contract for him. Because otherwise... I don't even know. What are they going to do? Go back to Dusty Baker? Dear God, please no. I've got a guy. I've got a guy. I've got a guy. Hear me out. Okay. Carlos Beltran. 
Carlos Beltran was a special assistant with the Yankees. The Astros tried to bring him back as a, as a coach. Uh, the Red Sox interviewed him. He is a beloved player because uh, he had a long career, successful career. Bilingual, mingles well with English and, and Spanish players. I think if the Cubs are going to go outside the box, which, like, after you hire Joe Madden or let him go, after you hire Joe Madden, then let him go, you have to go, go keep go, you got to go outside the box. So I think that's the guy. For me, that's the guy. Now, hey, college coaches, we all get a series. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we all know it. I kind of like this podcast right now. <laughs> For the recording, uh, Michael Cotton of the Sanranto podcast just suggested the College of Coaches comes back. I don't want to bring keep the Madden thing going too long, but I will say I like the Beltran idea that is outside the box. I think if they're trying to do like the we bring in somebody young that we can micromanage, which is really what like the Dodgers have done with Dave Roberts. It's what the Red Sox have done with Alex Cora. I just, Theo's never shown the want to do that. He's never wanted to bring in somebody into a championship window who doesn't have managerial experience. So that would be a totally new move for Theo Epstein, and we'll see. I said it was outside the box. (laughs) Well, you know, I feel like since the All-Star break, it's been such a roller coaster. I have to admit, after, after the St. Louis series, I thought, I'm not sure he's the coach at the end of the season. Um, and then all it takes is one win, and I'm like, oh, that was ridiculous. Of course. <laughs> but, um, okay. Sorry, you have something? No, on? I was nothing. You're kidding. Okay. Um, so uh, we're kind of jumping around here, but I, I was really disappointed to see the, the Cubs uh, uh, trade Carl Edwards Jr. this week. Um, I know he's had a rough season, but overall his numbers in previous seasons, they're not bad. Uh, when, when Carl was good, he was very good. And um, I think many of us assumed he was maybe the closer, potentially the, the setup guy of the future. Um, so uh, how do you feel about the Cubs deciding to move on from him? I mean, for me, it was like, it was a move that kind of surprised me, uh, you know, with the type of trade that it was. I was surprised to see them do it, but I honestly can't blame them. I think they, I think Jed Hoyer said on 670 The Score, this is, I'll be honest, like a a change of scenery thing. And I think that ultimately that's what he needed. San Diego's on the cusp of competing, so we can kind of try to adjust there. But they've tried this many, many times, and it just hasn't worked here. I think the, the pressure has gotten to Carl at times, and... He's been lights out. He's one of those guys that can generate so many whiffs when his uh, fastball is on and he's able to get that higher velo. But I think once you try something so many times, especially where the Cubs are, when they have so many relievers struggling throughout the year, you've got people going up and down to Iowa the entire year trying to stabilize that bullpen. I just don't think this environment is is right for him to get his head right and get that stuff right. So I think it's ultimately something where they go, maybe we can get something for it and he can be better for it. I think it could have happened, but I just don't know that like this 2019 environment, competing for a division, not having that stable bullpen, I I just don't think that's the spot where he's going to be able to figure it all out. I'm just happy that Carl gets a fresh, uh, fresh, clean slate. I think Carl Edwards, one, is like a good guy who really tries hard, but sometimes I think he tries too hard. And, like, that's a common thing with young players, especially when you've had championship success. So going to San Diego, a place that, one, is a low-pressure environment, and, two, they have also have a really good bullpen. So I think he can learn from some guys, some of the veteran guys out there in that bullpen. And 
look, he, he could go on to have a great career, and I hope Cub fans don't get mad at him for not being that guy in the future you know, here in Chicago because sometimes you just need a clean slate, a fresh scene, and be like, hey, I can do this. I just need new voices and new opinions. I think Carl's really good. We've, we've seen him pitch really well. I think that he still has a bright future. Yeah, you know, I was a little surprised, not so much at the trade, though, that was surprising, but I was a little surprised how they handled him before the trade because he started off the year pretty terribly, went down to AAA Iowa, came back and was absolutely dominant for, it was like 15 or 16 innings, hardly any walks, tons of strikeouts, gets hurt, comes back up for one dirty inning, and then they immediately send him back down. And I think, I was thinking about it a lot, and I was watching that outing again, and he comes back into that game, and uh, he couldn't throw strikes, and then all of a sudden he drops like four or five or six miles per hour on his fastball velocity, and because you could tell he was just trying to groove balls into the zone, and I think that that was the decision point for the front office or Joe Madden or whoever was involved. They said, listen, this is not a mechanical issue. This is not a uh, work it out at Iowa issue. This is something that's going to be with him always because he's in, his, in between his two ears way too much, and I hate speculating on that kind of stuff, but it, how, how does someone drop that much um, off their fastball in one outing when they're perfectly healthy? It doesn't happen. So I think that they had to make a decision, and uh, they said, hey, we can actually get a guy for him. The guy they got, he's got a lot of upside. He's a lefty. He's got uh, huge strikeout numbers. I mean, he wasn't nothing. They even had to complete a three-team trade to get extra international bonus pool money to make it happen. So in terms of getting him a fresh start and getting a guy in return, it was probably the right move for everybody. Yeah, I think. So, you, Michael, if I can interrupt real quick. So, yeah. what I hear is you're blaming our favorite mental skills coordinator. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He's not here yet, right? Yeah, I'm blaming him. <laughs> this isn't being recorded, is it? <laughs> Carl will be just fine. He's going to kill it in San Diego. I, I think we're all rooting for him. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the way it was handled. I think the Cubs just kind of gave up on knowing what to do with him. It's like, okay, we sent him down. He came back. He started to look good. He got injured. He came back. He didn't look good. We got to send him down. That, to me, was just kind of a red flag saying, we don't really know how to handle this guy anymore. Uh, We know the upside he does have, but when you don't see the consistency, when you see a lot of things drop the way they did, like the velocity and just just not looking right. That toe tap was the... The signal for me that they didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> right, exactly. What was that? Yeah, so I just think it, it was a move that had to be made for Carl's sake and for the Cubs' sake. It was. It kind of reminded me of uh, Mike Montgomery. I think both parties were uh, benefiting from moving on from each other. And, you know, that's just, that's just how baseball is sometimes. Uh, we talked about a change of environment. Just because a player who is struggling in one environment leaves to another place and starts excelling doesn't mean they were going to be excelling in the previous environment. Sometimes that's just what it takes. Whether it's a coaching philosophy, whether it's just literally where you're pitching and the team you have, I believe that a place like San Diego for Carl, a a pitcher-friendly ballpark, can maybe do him some good. So when I saw the trade, I was like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. But was I surprised the Cubs moved on from him? No, I wasn't. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, I feel like there are certain pitchers that uh, staff turnover in, in you know, in the, is, with the pitching coach probably doesn't affect. Like, that's not going to affect John Lester. 
you know, um, it, it may not affect Kyle Hendricks. It may, I don't know. But, like, it seems like Carl was, like, a prime candidate for someone to be uh, negatively impacted by that almost constant turnover. Well, and if I can jump in on that, I actually think that's been the biggest story that hasn't been told about this Cubs team. There has been so much turnover between bench coaches, hitting coaches, pitching coaches. Like every year they bring in an entirely new cast of characters to help out Joe Madden. And it's no wonder that this team can't perform to the level that we want them to. They don't, they keep getting a new philosophy every year, right? So I think that that needs to change. I think that they need to figure out a way to stick with a philosophy for like two or three years and see what happens. See, but that's part of the reason that I'm concerned about moving on from Joe Madden. I think we could all agree that when a new manager is going to be brought in, they're going to be given the opportunity to replace Tommy Hadovy if they want to. And I think Hadovy's done a great job. And that's going to happen. And, and it could happen with the hitting coach. And it could, and it could happen with bullpen coaches. Like, it, it's going to be constant change again. It's going to be the fourth year of new pitching coaches and hitting coaches if Joe Madden gets replaced. Because what manager worth having is going to be giving up that right to come to Chicago to, to coach the Cubs. They're not going to want to. They're going to want that guarantee that they could pick their staff and that might end up with another new set of voices, not just that manager. I mean, that's the reason you signed Joe Madden. Yeah. Right? I like mean, that is like I agree. the yeah. reason you keep that. But I, I, and part of it, you know, I think Joe brought in his guys one year. I think then they cleaned those guys out. Theo brought in his guys. It's kind of like the, been this back and forth. They need to pick a strategy and stick with it and see what happens for two or three years, and that does not involve firing Joe Madden this year. Okay, just to kind of shift topics a little bit. Um, besides 2016, Corey, what's your favorite year of Cubs fandom? Oh, It's uh, 2000. This Corey? Oh, this Corey. Sorry, we yeah. got two Corey Fs here. <laughs> Sorry. I just, Moderator, Andy. I wanted it to be confusing. I thought it would be a delightful moment. <laughs> I, I would say, I mean, 2003, I'm like in my late 20s. So 2003 was like that formative, I am obsessed with this. I live and die with every pitch. I felt that like first heartbreak at the end of that season. And it kind of leads us to here, how I end up on a panel on John Baker Day, right? <laughs> but honestly, like I would say 2015, that was just such a, a low like stakes we, no one really taking had all the answers, Corey. Sorry, yeah. Uh, every year. Let me run through every year. But 2015 was just like, we didn't have that many expectations. The team started to play well. And I think like really that night that Chris Bryan hits that walk-off against the Rockies was that night where you were like, okay, this team is really putting something together. They're, they've got a chance here. And so I think just the, the lower expectations, which is kind of unique for us as Cubs fans, allowed us to just really enjoy that. And that team was just so fun, so many walk-offs, the personality of that group, obviously, that we see flourish in 2016. I'm right there with you. I, I would give the same answer. Anybody, there's, there, think, there are things happening in the game right now that we don't care for. Yeah. Um, just for the recording, uh, those were boos. We were booing the Brewers, though. But so. not the panel. Not, not me. To not, be not. clear, uh, we were talking about this beforehand. We knew that the second we started recording, something was going to happen where we would boo and bad things would happen. Yeah, so, it was bound to happen. Yeah, we, we've gotten that out of the way now. And just, um, 
Go ahead. Since 2003 and 2015 have both already been taken. I'm in a flashback to like 1989 when I was growing up in Utah. And like the reason I'm a Cubs fan was watching WGN when I was a little kid because I could watch every game. It didn't matter that I lived in a place that didn't have a professional baseball team. And I would like run home from school to watch this team. And it was outstanding. Ryan Sandberg, Mark Grace, that I was just... It was everything I wanted baseball to be, and it was totally perfect until Andre Dawson struck out in the playoffs. I think for me, I'm going to go deep cut here. 1993 Cubs. Um, <laughs> Sammy Sosa. I, I had to look up the, the stats, so I, so I made sure I was right. Sammy Sosa went thir- you know, 30 homers, 30 steals. Uh, as a kid, I had never seen that before, ever. And a guy who could hit 30 homers back when the bases were a thing and steal 30 bases, that was so awesome to me. Like, I wanted to be like that guy growing up. And then he, then he came, became a home run hitter. And that was pretty cool, too. <laughs> but, yeah, like, the 93 Cubs, like, beyond Sosa, like, Mark Grace was awesome. He, he had a bunch of doubles. Ryan Sandberg was still, like, at the peak of his powers. Like, Sean Dunstan was still there. Randy Myers, my favorite closer of all time was at the back end of the bullpen. And, like, a part of me still hopes that Mike Harkey can figure it out and be the ace of his staff. <laughs> I still have the rated rookie card. Yeah. How do you feel about Tony Kemp wearing number 21? Change your number, Tony, please. Do it for the people. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people took my answers, too. I thought the second half of 2015 was the most fun I ever had watching Cubs baseball, but... I think for me, you know, I'm not that old. I'm only 25, so my memories go back to 2003. Oh, it's, it's nice for now. Just wait. But I really thought that 2008 team was going to win it all. And when they got swept so bad by the Dodgers, that was probably the most heartbroken I've ever been over a Cubs team. Because in 2003, I was like in third grade. I was young. Uh, the emotions didn't really affect me as much. But 2008, I thought that was the perfect team. They had the offense. They had the defense. They had a great pitching staff. Derek Lee, Aramis Ramirez, Afonso Soriano, uh, Ryan Dempster had that great year starting, Zambrano, Lilly, and then closing you had Kerry Wood. Jim Edmonds, my man, I loved him. I know people are going to hate me for that, but one of my favorite things about that 2008 season was watching Edmonds just mash for the Cubs. What was he, like 39, 40 years old? I mean, he was a geezer up there, but he was mashing home runs, and... One of my favorite memories from that year was against the Brewers, and uh, Giovanni Soto hit a game-tying three-run home run in the ninth inning. They were down 6-2 to two going into that ninth inning, and they won. And I thought there was no way that this Cubs team could lose. I mean, the Dodgers, who the hell were they? That scrubbed 80-some win team, and then they embarrassed us. And that was a, that was a punch to the gut. But that summer of 08, that was a lot of fun. For me, that was like a great summer until summer ended and October Yes, happened. exactly. I was, I was in school at SIU Carbondale, which is like Cardinals country. Salukis. And, yep, Salukis. I came up for game one, drove up that morning or the night before to watch, that, to watch game one here. I still have beef with Ryan Dempster internally for giving up a grand slam to James Loney. Like, that, I'm scarred still from that. They never led after that grand slam they, in they that didn't. series. Never so led. then. Then I go back the next two nights, go back to school, and I'm watching these games of, like around Cardinal fans, and it was just like so demoralizing. After game three, me and my buddy Luke, we cashed a, ba- a bottle of Jack Daniels, and neither of us remembers what happened other than, the, other than that the Cubs lost. We barely remember that the Cubs lost. So they could have won for all I do. I drank that much. 
it was it was rough. It was a rough well, that, time. Well, that game three was my uh, freshman year homecoming dance in high school, and the the game was on the television, and uh, everyone's dancing, and I'm staring at the screen with just the most pissed off look on my face, and this girl comes up to me and says, "Don't you want to dance?" I'm like, "Shut the hell up! The Cubs are on," <laughs> and then she's like, "But they're losing." I'm like, I don't care. Just shut up. Let me grieve. And I, I almost had tears in my eyes. But, oh, I was so mad after that. This, this is not how that interaction is supposed to go for the record. <laughs> no, I was, a, I was an awkward kid. So, no. But who schedules a homecoming dance during a Cubs playoff game? Like, come on. That's just... York Community High School does in Elmhurst. That, 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 that school stinks. My viewing experience for that game was a little worse. I was at Dodger Stadium getting popcorn thrown at me by Dodger fans while the Cubs were getting swept. So, sorry about that. I guess you can blame me for that one. But I was at Game 7 when they won the World Series. I balanced it out. Thank you. Thank you. Favorite year? Sure, So, since pretty much every year from my birth until now has been taken, I'm going to go with 2014 because... That season was the first time, especially in the second half of the year, when we had Jake Arrieta rolling, and all of a sudden there was like, these guys are all in AA and AAA. They're coming up next year. And they, I remember Jake Arrieta was pitching in Boston, and he almost threw a new hit, no-hitter. And it was like, whoa, we got to start paying closer attention to this team. And that was the first time I really knew that something could, special could be brewing. Uh, that was a big season. A, a lot of big things were happening in the upper minors and, and at the big league level. So that was the year for me. All right, well, we're starting to wind it down, but we want to do sort of a predictive-type question. Uh, fast forward to October 2019. The Cubs have just uh, have either did not make the World Series or, or, I mean, I'm sorry, they had a short playoff run or they did not make the playoffs. No, um, yeah, they, they did. They made the playoffs. Okay, but just the year. And they won the World Series. <laughs> I'm going to give you the other side of this, too, but the, the biggest reason for that failure is was blank. Fill in the blank. Wow. Uh, I'm going to say the bullpen in high leverage spots in the playoffs. I think that we've, we've talked a little bit about Madden needing to be better about, I know Michael mentioned that specifically, Madden needing to use some of these guys the right way. And especially when you get in there against teams like the Braves and the Dodgers, him taking guys like Lester Hendricks out early, going to some of these guys gives me nightmares. It'll give me nightmares until they win another World Series. So, so for the rest of the panel, too, the, the uh, flip side of that question as well, say they win the World Series, the biggest reason for that win is blank. So either one you want to take. So I really think the bats being consistent is the key to this team. When they go on runs where their win percentage is in like the over 600 range, it's because the offense is clicking consistently and they're putting up five, six, seven runs a game on a consistent basis. When they don't do that, whether it's in the playoffs or in the regular season, they are not that team. And they have, they've done that in 2016. They had runs and stretches in the playoffs where they could not hit and could not score. And that was very close at a couple of points to them just not getting it done in 2016 either. That team has had yeah. this problem for, since its inception and they need to fix it. Um, and, I, and I don't know. I, if they fix it this year, I think they could have a deep run. They haven't gotten super hot yet this year. If they do that at the right time, they could absolutely win the World Series. But they have got to be consistent on the offense. Uh, so I, I'm going to say that I agree with that, but I'm going to narrow it down to Javier Baez because when that guy is on, he could carry the team. And when he's not, he's not, um, he's not enough offense 
for what they rely on him to be. And, that, and there's a very big gap between um, guys like him and Rizzo and Bryant, so, who even when they're slumping are still producing in certain ways. Javi might have the highest ceiling and highest ability to contribute meaningfully, but when he's off, and he has been a little bit after the break, all-star break, it's noticeable. It, it completely changes the fabric of the team. As soon as he starts hitting again, especially because he plays so often and it's such an important position, um, he's the key to winning. When he hits, the whole team wins. If the 2019 Cubs win the World Series, it will be because their big money players make big money plays. You Darvish pitches like a $100 million starter. Jose Quintana pitches like a guy that you trade premier prospects for. Uh, the, Craig Krimble closes out games like a big money closer. That was the they, nicest thing you've ever said about Jose Quintana. <laughs> And that's all you'll get, Q, until you beat someone. Cherish this moment. If the Cubs, if the Cubs don't make it, um, it, it'll be, it won't be just one thing. It'll, be, it'll probably be like Madden not getting guys in winning situations. It'll be guys slumping. It'll be injuries. It's just like last year they won 95 games, and, and people think it's a failure to win 95 games is a success. It's just that everything bad happened at the wrong time, and... And they just got unlucky at the end. You win 95 games, that you'll take it. If they win the World Series, I'm going to credit one man, John Effing Lester, the man. He pitches great games. He comes up with big hits because he can do that now. I mean, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I can't say enough uh, how important John Lester is to this team. I mean, look, he was co-MVP of what, the NLCS in 2016? Yep. Uh, pitched great in that series. And if he does that, I just think everything can fall in place. It, it sounds crazy, but when that guy is on and he's on in the postseason, that can help carry a team. If he doesn't pitch like he does in 2016, no World Series. It, it's like the way the team rallies around him. I mean, remember in that series um, – one of my favorite gifts from that series is the I think we got him gif with uh, Rizzo and Lester. And when he pitched that great game, everything came into place. So that's my guy. If he does well in the postseason, that's going to help propel them. Everything will come in place. If they don't, I'm going to blame the lack of fundamentals. Bad base running, bad fielding. A lot of bad things we've seen this year happen consistently. No, it's, no, they sent Addison Russell to AAA. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's, uh, it's still a problem, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, as long as he's not far, far away from the team, that would be a bonus, but they can't keep up with the toot blands and the bad fielding. It's, it's just got to be better, and if they lose in the postseason early, i got to imagine that's going to be part of it. All right, last question here. Um, so this morning, Fangraphs uh, uh, says that the Cubs have a 60% chance of winning the division. Um, so do the Cubs win the NL Central? And who poses more danger, the Brewers or the Cardinals? I say yes, they do. I think they're better than both of those teams. Like we've all said, it's just a question of them showing up and getting the job done. Uh, I think the Cardinals pose the bigger threat. I, I just don't think the Brewers' starting staff, haters, been getting hit a lot, giving up runs via the home run. And, look, Yelich could do what he did last fall again, but that's a lot for them to rely on. And they, they really hit every note 
last fall to make that run that they did to take to the division from the Cubs. So I think the Cardinals roster is a little better. I think their pitching staff is better. But I think the Cubs, if, if they can just play to their capability, especially on offense like Sarah was just talking about, I, I think they win the division. So I ran some numbers on this recently for a piece that I thought were really interesting. The Cubs at home are one of the best teams in baseball. They play like 670 baseball at home. That's probably a little better now since they won yesterday. The Cubs on the road pay, play like 390 baseball. That is Marlins territory. So if you project that out with the remaining games that the Cubs have in terms of how many games they have at home and how many games they have on the road, they would be one game behind the Cardinals at the end of the season. So I'm not entirely sure who's going to win the division. I think the Cubs have a decent shot. But if they're going to do that, they're going to have to start winning some games on the road because you cannot play 390 baseball on the road and think that you are going to win the division, let alone get through any type of a playoff series. Like, they will be, have a short playoff run if they cannot win a series on the road. And they have not won a series on the road in a really long time. I think it's been, yeah, like it's been literal months, right? So I think that... The thing I'm looking for is win a series on the road, and I'll feel a lot more confident that the Cubs are going to actually win the division. And if they do that, they're the best team in this division. The Cardinals did nothing, nothing at the deadline. If you want to see some dismayed fans, go check out Cardinals Twitter from the trade deadline. They were freaking out. They got nothing. Uh, you know, Goldschmidt got hot again, and that's great for them, and they've been playing some pretty good baseball, but they, there's no, nobody's coming in to save the Cardinals. The Brewers had to trade for a bunch of number five starters because they have no starting pitching. And we already talked about how Hayter is getting kind of blown up because of overusage. So the Cubs have a really good chance here if they can figure out what's going on on the road. I think the Brewers um, could win this division again. People forget that the Brewers won the division last year. And they won we game 163. And I was No, if I had to be there and witness that, everyone else has to feel my pain too. <laughs> so... Um, the Brewers, if they can get hot, and really once rosters expand to 40 men, they don't really need starters to go five, six innings. They'll just piece it together two innings, three innings at a time, and then, oh, all of a sudden they have a game lead at the end of September. In, in the end, this is what it comes down to to me. The biggest hurdle in the Cubs winning the NL Central is the Cubs. If they make fewer errors, if they make fewer mental mistakes, if they score more, if they, if they score more runs, they'll win this division. But if they keep making mental mistakes, if they keep making outs on the bases, and if they keep letting mediocre teams hang around with them, they're not going to win this division. And uh, game 163 would be a blessing if, if this keeps up. It's big boy time. Big boy season. Let's go. <laughs> Except Albert Almora. He starts every day for some reason. <laughs> I think you said it great. I mean, the Cubs are the ones that are going to basically win or lose this division because if you ask me who the better team is on paper, I think the Cubs are by far the best team on paper in this division. There's not a core that is better than the Cubs. I mean, they got Christian Yelich, sure, but, I mean, around him, you have Ryan Braun, boo. Uh, you have Lorenzo Cain, who's getting older. And then in St. Louis, you have Goldschmidt and... Uh, yeah, Trout 2.0, who was just sent down to AAA. Uh, they couldn't they dare can. trade him. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, point being is, the Cubs should win this division, but I don't know if they will. That's the scary thing. If they didn't get in their own way so much, I mean, just think about it. If they converted five blown saves on this year, they'd have a healthy lead in the division right now. I mean, just a few games makes a huge difference. 
And when are they going to play better on the road? We've been waiting for this all season, and we're in August now. Is that going to happen? I can't guarantee it's going to. People are asking me, is it a fluke? Are they just bad on the road? I think at this point, you got to say there's more than just a fluke right now. There's something seriously wrong with this team on the road. Um, and Epstein said on the radio, look, if we can't win on the road, you're not going anywhere. So on paper, I have faith in this team, in this actual team on the field, and I'm a little weary. Well, it sounds like John Baker has a pretty challenging job, you know, kind of stressful really to try to help this team from getting in their own way. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I'm going to say that uh, the Cardinals and Brewers each have one guy that can carry their team. Paul Goldschmidt for the Cardinals and Christian Yelich for the Brewers. The Cubs have four. They have Chris Bryant, they have Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Wilson Contreras. No other team in this division has four guys that can single-handedly carry their team, their roster, to the postseason. So for that reason alone, I'm going to give this division to the Cubs. They just need one of those guys to play up to their potential. Count this as fair warning. Don't sleep on Keston Hero of the Brewers. All that guy does is hit. And I really wish they would have traded him for Bumgarner for like one for like a half year of Bumgarner so I wouldn't have to deal with him for the next seven years. That, <laughs> other than Yelich, that's the only guy that can consistently hit, and I wish just he was out of the division. It's not New a big Cubs ask, is it? making. Oh, he's, 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 ugh. I wish he was out of the division. Hey, yeah. We all do. All right, so as we wrap up, uh, if we could go down the line again, uh, just, uh, again, uh, tell people where they can find you, the blogs, podcasts that you do, what your Twitter handle is, all that. Sure. Um, Corey Friedman again, CF Cubs Related, host of the Cubs Related podcast, and I'm part of CubsInsider.com. I'm Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation and outside the Ivy on NBC Sports Chicago. I'm Alex Pat with Fansider. You can find me on Twitter at ShyFanPat1. That will have a link to Cubby's Crib and the Cubby's Crib podcast, which I host. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write for Bleed Cubby Blue, and I'm the co-host of Cup of Cubby Blue. You can follow us at at Cup of Cubby Blue. You can find our podcast at Bleed Cubby Blue, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow me at BCB Sarah. That was really and, well prepared. That was great. That was really I good. Was nearly as good as you. How do I follow that up? <laughs> Uh, and I'm Luis Medina. Uh, I write for Bleacher Nation, and I'm on NBC Sports Chicago's Outside the Ivy. And I do bear stuff at Bleacher Nation Bears, so uh, go Bears. Go Bears. All right, well, thanks to each of you uh, for joining us today. Thanks to everyone in the room uh, for being here. And thank you for downloading this episode wherever you listen to it. And go Cubs. Showed up down at Wrigley with a belly full of gin. I knew it would be a long one, and when Jackson was pitching, the night the backup catcher got the win. And when Jackson only lasted four, the game was tied for 12 more innings, nobody could score. We went to Captain Morgan's cause we wanted to drink more. The night the backup catcher got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. Sat in the upper deck with three of my best friends. The night the backup catcher got the win. Wow. 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 Wow.
just outside to have a smoke. But as we stood beyond the gates, Captain Morgan's closed. We got left outside and we couldn't get back in. The night the backup catcher got the wind. We were three sheets to the wind and overserved. And we couldn't get back to our seats in upper deck reserved. So we watched the game from the dugout on Addison. The night the backup catcher got the wind. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. Got sick outside of Wrigley from mixing beer and gin. The night the backup catcher got the win. And then, as the story's told, John Baker, the Cubs' backup catcher, took the mound in the top of the 16th inning, pitching a scoreless frame, facing the minimum. Then, in the bottom of the 16th inning, John came to the plate and took a walk. Then he ended up on third base somehow, at which point, Starlin Castro hit a sacrifice fly, winning the game! John Baker finally won it in 16. On the most exciting sack fly this baseball fan has seen. But I sort of missed it, I was drunk as Charlie Sheen. The night the backup catcher got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. Oh, they threatened us with handcuffs when we tried to sneak back in. The night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. Got the win. It was the night the backup catcher got the win. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.